today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Rather than humbling ourselves, literally falling on our faces and crying out to God, asking him to, to break us, break me of my old self, of the, that pride, that arrogance, that selfishness. Break me of that, Father. And then remold me into who you desire me to be. And then fill me fresh and new again with your Holy Spirit to overflowing. Yeah, all too often, All too often, even the church is too satisfied with our seasonally discounted version of the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. In this Christmas season, what pictures of Jesus do you see portrayed around? So often, we see just bits and pieces of him. Is Jesus simply someone who takes you to heaven? Or someone who is just a good friend, who gives you peace and security? The problem is, while all of that is true, that is not the full reality of who Jesus is. Pastor David will teach that the Lord actually brings a challenge that you may not be thinking about. You'll learn today the entire message of Jesus and what it really means to follow Him. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Philippians chapter 2 with today's edition of The Open Word. What's going to run out first? Your patience, the list of people that you want to buy a gift for, or your wallet? It was back in the year 2000 that Capital One Financial came up with this slogan that has just become, I mean, it's just gone everywhere. You heard the slogan before, what's in your wallet? Uh, and it expanded well beyond Capital One. Uh, it's like, uh, man, car dealers took it. Hey, what's under your hood? People uh, selling groceries. Hey, what's in your refrigerator? And it just went everywhere and everywhere. But that slogan, what's in your wallet, actually made it to the Advertisers Hall of Fame in 2011. What's in your wallet? Don't worry, this isn't a tithing message this morning. Okay. <laughs> But I have to tell you, that phrase came to me this week, and as I was looking at what the Lord would have us share this morning, that question turned around a little bit in a a little bit different way. I want to ask you this morning, who's really in your heart? Who is really in your heart? This time of year, even, even though the secular world really tries to ignore the message and the hope of the gospel, tries to ignore the name of Jesus, tries to cast him completely away from them. Well, this time of year, there is a lot being spoken of, well, actually sung of Jesus. I mean, you can go into shopping malls and you hear the Muzak system blasting away and sure, they've got songs about trees and reindeer and jolly fat men and, and presents under the mistletoe. They've got all of that. But you're actually going to hear a few songs even in that secular environment 
Songs like Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, All is Bright, Round Yon Virgin, Mother and Child, Holy Infant, So Tender, So Mild. You'll hear songs like Away in a Manger, No Crib for His Bed, The Little Lord Jesus Laid Down His Sweet Head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay, the little Lord Jesus, asleep on the hay. Then we hear that one, that very popular one. Come, they told me. See, some of you have heard it. One or three of you have heard it. A newborn king to see. Our finest gifts we bring. These guys over here are doing it better than you guys are over here, okay? To lay before the king, just you guys. Okay, they're doing it. Now, let's get going, okay? So to honor him when we come. No, he doesn't do it at the end of that. That's just the end of the verse, okay? But one of the other verses is, baby Jesus, pum. I am a poor boy too, pum pum. I have no gift to bring, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum, that's fit to give a king, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. Shall I play for you, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum, on my drum? Now, these songs and a multitude of others, they're played during this time of year, and literally, those that don't normally listen for or look for or even desire to hear the name of Jesus. Somehow it's being piped into their ears and into their hearing during this time of year. They hear the name of Jesus, but the problem is, is though they're hearing the name of Jesus, they're not being challenged by the person of Jesus. You see, there's a world of difference between just hearing the name of Jesus and knowing and being challenged by the person of Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with these songs. Uh, The vast majority of these uh, seasonal songs, uh, again, the ones, well, I'm not talking about, you know, Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer. I'm not talking about that one. Or or the one that's been banned from our house, Santa Baby. That's totally banned from our house. But the problem is, is that during this time of year, those that hear that, all that man knows about Jesus is holy infant, infant lowly, infant holy, for his bed a cattle stall. Holy infant, so tender and mild, sleeping in heavenly peace while I play my drum for him. pum. The world would love to have a non-confrontational Jesus. What the world really wants is a Jesus Gandhi, okay? A, a, a good guy doing good stuff with good sayings that, hey, I, man, that's, that's powerful stuff. What the world thinks that they want is a Jesus Mother Teresa that just goes about doing good, and yet there's no real challenge to them. The problem is that's only one aspect of who Jesus is. And we find the sad reality is is that even within the church, even within the church today, many, they've surrendered their hearts, they've given their lives to that kind of a Jesus, to what I call a discounted Jesus. 
The invitation, unfortunately, was given. And, and they received it. The invitation says, come to Jesus and you'll go to heaven. Well, who wouldn't want to go to heaven, given the choice, heaven or hell? Yeah, I'll come to Jesus. I want to go to heaven. I want to skip hell. I, I, want, to, I want an eternity in glory. But there's no challenge there. Or the, or the invitation was given, come to Jesus and you'll find peace and security. Oh, he'll be your closest friend. Well, who wouldn't want that? Come to Jesus and just fill in the blank. Again, not that those things are wrong because he does save us from hell and brings us to glory. He does give us peace and security. He does become our closest friend, our friend in a time of trouble, the friend that no man has any closer friend than he would lay down his life and die for us. All of those things are true, but the problem is, is people hear these invitations and they accept a partial a seasonally discounted form of Jesus. So let me ask you, no, not what's in your wallet, but who really is in your heart? Because, beloved, it makes a world of difference. It makes an eternal difference. I want you to go with me with one of the passages dealing with the, the birth of Jesus. Uh, it's uh, in the New Testament. It's, no, it's, it's not Matthew. No, it's not Luke either. No, it's not even John. It's actually in the book of Philippians. Go to Philippians chapter 2 with, with me if you would. No, there's no shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. There's no three kings coming in on the Orient Express or the Polar Express or what. No, there's no kings here. No, here in Philippians chapter two, we read of the planned action of the mind of God that Christ would make himself known to give himself as a sacrifice in order to secure the salvation of mankind for those that would surrender their lives to his lordship within their lives. As the Apostle Paul writes here to the church in Philippi, he writes a, a, an encouraging letter. He writes to them an uplifting letter. As a matter of fact, within the church of Philippi, we don't see any major wrongs that are happening here. Paul doesn't write uh, again trying to correct anything. He simply wants to encourage them. He wants to challenge them in their faith to live their faith in a true, in a full Christian life. Look with me here in Philippians. We won't go through the whole book, but down in chapter two and a little bit into chapter two, verse five. Paul writes to the church there. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The very first portion of that verse, it 
It ought to alert every one of us, every individual who claims the name of Christ, who declares that you're a Christian. When Paul declares that for you and I, who again proclaim that, that we are believers in Christ, when he declares to them that our minds ought to be that which is also in Christ Jesus, each one of us need to do some soul searching at that point in time. Is my mind like the mind of Christ? When in my life do I see the mind of Christ exhibited? Have my actions and my attitudes and, 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 and my thoughts this past week, have, have they really and truly demonstrated the, the mind of Christ or have they demonstrated how far I am from what I ought to be? As one who says that I'm a follower of Jesus, do I even desire that my mind be the mind of Christ? Or am I simply glad that I've got a railroad ticket out of hell and I'm not going, not going there because I got this ticket? But what about my everyday life? What about my continual existence? In this whole idea of living the Christian life, Paul says that there are some changes that need to happen in our life. If we're going to call ourselves believers, if we're going to call ourselves Christ followers, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. He of himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. And you might say, well, pastor, that, that whole humility thing, that whole idea of serving other people, that's just not my personality style. That's just not really who I am. That may be true, but isn't that why we are called to die daily to self? Isn't that why the scripture says, no, the old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Isn't that why Jesus, in speaking to Nicodemus, a very religious guy, probably one of the good guys. I mean, we, we hit on the Pharisees all the time about being so far away from God, but I believe that there were also some Pharisees that loved God. They were in a place of teaching the word to the people. They were in a place of authority. I think that Nicodemus was one of the good guys. And yet Jesus told him, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, unless there is a radical difference within your life, a, a spiritual change within your life, you won't even see the kingdom of heaven. No matter how religious you are, no matter how good you are. You see, it's all too easy. It's all too easy for us to make excuses of why we can't do what we're called to do. And rather than humbling ourselves, literally falling on our faces and crying out to God, asking him to, to break us, break me of my old self, of the, that pride, that arrogance, that selfishness. Break me of that, Father. And then remold me into who you desire me to be. And then fill me fresh and new again with your Holy Spirit to overflowing. Yeah, all too often, 
all too often, even the church is too satisfied with our seasonally discounted version of the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Who's really in your heart? Paul goes on to tell us in the second half of verse seven. He says, and and coming in the likeness of men, being found as in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. There it is. That's the nativity verse of Philippians right there. God in human flesh. That's what is called the incarnation. Being in the form of a bond servant, coming in the likeness of men, found in appearance as a man. Now, we need to be careful here, though. If this is the only passage that we had available to us in reference to the incarnation, we could really get a pretty good argument about Jesus not really being completely human. I mean, he only had the outward form of humanity. He only looked human. Uh, he, He came in the form. He came in the likeness. But the problem is, is in your ignorance, you'd miss not only the truth of the incarnation, you'd miss the power of the incarnation. You see, the understanding of the incarnation, that's found throughout the Bible. It's found from from Genesis to Revelation that the incarnation, that God himself would come in human flesh, that God would reveal himself. But you know what? The word incarnation is nowhere found. It's kind of like the Trinity. The concept, the understanding of the Trinity is found from Genesis all the way to Revelation. But you'll not find the word Trinity there. But yet the truth of both the Trinity and the incarnation is found throughout the word of God. So what's the big deal about the incarnation? Well, to get to that truth, you need to know what the incarnation means. What does incarnation mean? First and foremost, you need to understand that it's a theological word. When it came into being, it came into for the purpose as a theological word, a theological concept, a theological truth. You can't miss that. And although the concept comes from the pages of the word, or of our Bibles. That word incarnation actually didn't come about until late or in the 13th century. It comes from a combination, a compound word within the Latin, simply meaning to the act of being made flesh, the act of being made flesh. And although it's actually, the the word itself, incarnation, it's actually used well outside of the theological form now. People use it much like the phrase that Capital One had, what's in your wallet. People have taken the incarnation and twisted it and changed it all around. I mean, even like the fact that uh, cats are an incarnation of evil. You know, that kind of an idea for those of us that love cats. Uh, But... The original word, understand, it it was definitely, it was a purely theological concept. One, One writer declares, he says, that the choices, that what incarnation is, it's the choices and the acts of the pre existent divine being, namely the Son of God, the action that the Son took in order to become a human being. He took on flesh. He became fully, truly human without ceasing to be fully, truly divine. Divinity is not something Jesus acquired later in life or even after his death or resurrection. 
according to the theology of the incarnation, he had always been the divine son of God, even before he became Jesus, a human being. You see, we believe that the Bible teaches that Jesus is 100% human and that he is at the same time 100% divine. I know those of you that are math aficionados, that, that's hard to understand. How can you have two? One? Well, that's where my lack of math comes in great because I can fully understand. It's not human math. It's God's math that allows two 100% things to enjoy the same place at the same time and be who he is, Jesus Christ, both God and man. Throughout the New Testament, We find that teaching, we find that balance between the humanity and the divinity of Christ. Both of those characteristics, absolutely necessary. Grant Osborne in the the Baker Encyclopedia of the, the Bible, under that title of incarnation, writes, in the incarnation, Jesus became a perfect human being. As God in human flesh, he suffered the divine penalty of death as an innocent substitute, being both God and a man. Jesus simultaneously revealed God's will for human life and reconciled sinful people to God through his own perfect life and death. Because of the incarnation, therefore, those who believe in Christ have peace with God and new life from him. So here in Philippians, Paul reminds us He reminds us that in his humility, Christ became obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. How easily we miss this idea of us being of the same mind as Christ. Particularly when the only Jesus we really know, the only Jesus we ever surrendered our life to, that holy infant so tender and mild, We totally miss the fullness of his mind and the commitment of sacrifice. If the greatest of our commitments is to play our drum for him, then we've completely missed out on what it means to die daily, what it means to be fully committed to Christ. Oh, I'll live for him. I'll do this for him. But will you die to self in order that he would live through you? His incarnation, his obedience, his death on the cross, that wasn't just to allow us to skip hell and have eternity and glory. His incarnation, his obedience, his his death, his burial, his resurrection, that wasn't just so we could find peace and security. His incarnation his obedience, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father. That wasn't just so he could be our closest friend. He is all of those things. His incarnation, his obedience, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension to the Father, truly for us was to secure for us the ability to be reconciled to God. Open our hearts, change us from within. 
are so glad you took the time today to spend with us here on The Open Word. We also hope you find joy and peace this holiday season and that Jesus is in the forefront of your mind. Is there anything we can be praying about with you or any exciting things God's doing in your life that we can rejoice with you over? If so, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We're honored to pray for our listeners. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Pastor David's here to tell you how that's possible. Hey, thanks, Chris. Not only can you find our Christmas messages, but all the messages that you've enjoyed and any that you've missed here on The Open Word, they're available on our website. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings. You can scroll through the archive and listen online. You can download the teachings to take with you on the go. I've even provided my notes if you'd like to read along. You might see something new your ears may have missed. Hey, feel free to share any of my teachings if you feel it would be a benefit to friend or family members. That website, one more time, is theopenword.com. I pray your Christmas season is filled with the presence of Jesus, allowing you to look forward to a wonderful new year in Christ. We'd love to meet you in person. If you're in the area, come join us for our services at Calvary Casa Grande. We meet Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. You'll find all the information you need at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Join us next time to continue digging into the Word of God right here on The Open Word. Merry Christmas. Make us more.